outside. It's cold. It's not cold, you know. It's nice. Fresh is the word. That's that British word right there. Fresh. Of course, fresh, man. When's your birthday? It was a few days ago. It was Monday. Happy belated. Thank you very much. I know it's your your soon, no? Mine's on Saturday. Scorpio gang, gang. <laughs> in it, in it, in it. Oh, yeah, okay, let's let's do let's do this. So um hi, my name's a queer gentleman, founder of the British Blacklist, and I'm here with an old friend. Please introduce yourself, young man. I'm not so young anymore, but Adrian Scott from Mellow Nine Productions. And I me and Akira go back a very long time, many, how, many, many years. How did we meet? Mark One. Yes. The event and then we was all arguing. The first time I got introduced to you, and then I quickly realised that everyone knows you. <laughs> what was the event that we were at? I don't remember exactly what event it was, but it was something to do with black film as well. Shout out Mark One, what a phenomenal filmmaker, after award-winning director. We made a short film called After Effects together. Beautiful and, film. Yeah, and he's gone on to do so much good things. And yeah, so he's been, he was on a journey with me with Brick Blackness as well. Anyway, that's how you and I first met. So That's how we that, met. Back then, where were you on your journey to being in this in this industry? Uh, I think I was en route, but it's a long road. Yeah. <laughs> I remember feeling that I was well on the scene. If that means anything, I think I was making inroads, and I'm still yeah. making inroads. Nothing's changed. When you're talking about back then, what was your goal? Because you're what you're a producer, director, writer. What's your? Uh, my real passion is writing, and then I started producing and directing. Mellow Nine, of course, wasn't as far developed to where it was now, but I was certainly on the scene and and talking to the right people and producing projects in different guises. Some didn't get off the ground, some just kind of fizzled out. But I was definitely chipping away. Are you from West or are you from South? I'm from South, I'm from Battersea. Oh, so you're, I, see, we would have probably bonded on that because I'm originally a Southie, but I moved to West. Growing up in South, from Battersea, I mean, the lay of the land's a bit different now, I guess, than it was back then. But you were getting on with it, making stuff, having the foresight, like, yeah, I'm going to be a filmmaker. What was growing up in Battersea like? And what was it that shaped your mind to be like, yeah, I can do this. I can get out and be a part of this industry, which is usually quite elitist and not for people from South? Yeah, I mean, in, I was always interested in film from a kid. I really love film. I love the credits rolling up the screen. My mum used to record my videos for me on the old VHS, and when I didn't know how to do it, she'd do it for me. And then as soon as the last frame of the film finished, she'd press stop, and it used to drive me insane. And <laughs> my mum's like a St. Lucian woman, and she's like, what do you want to see a bunch of writing going up the screen for? What's wrong with you? The film's finished. And I'm like, no, mum, I need to know what the gaffer is. I, know, I need to know what the best boy is. And there was no internet back then. So I used to watch these credits and watch all the names going up the screen, and I wanted my name to go up the screen. And I wanted to know what all these different roles were, because I knew director, producer, you know, makeup. But I remember Spark and Gaffer and Best Boy, stuff like that. I didn't know what it was. So I was fascinated by that world, and I wanted to be part of that world. But I'd forgotten that until I went to college, when I went to Hammersmith and West London College, which is then I ended up moving to West London as well a bit later on. I wasn't defined by where I was from. It, it didn't even come into the equation. I just thought, well, I've got some kind of stories to tell, and I really want to tell it. I always remember, and it's true, the best boy gaffer spark, or maybe gaffer and best boy, and maybe grip, or the credits that always stand out. I'm like, I never, and it's funny because you don't think to, like now you would literally quickly Google it. And back then it's like, you can't just Google it. No, yeah. Pick up a dictionary. I just, I never even thought of looking for it, but I remember those credits always sticking out. And I used to watch the credits too, but I had no, at them days, I had no clue that it would feed into what I'm doing today. So it's quite interesting. Yeah, neither did I. 
and I can imagine why your mum's like, what the hell are you watching this for? It's just the words. It's just like... Yeah, it's just writing going up the screen, but I was fascinated with the names and, you know, the names of actors. And yeah. I remember I was on the quest for years because I wanted to know who Peter Mayhew was, the patron yeah. backer in Star Wars. And I was fascinated by Star Wars. That kind of got me drawing film scenes and behind the scenes I draw the puppeteers controlling Jabba the Hutt. I remember seeing Peter Mayhew play Chewbacca and I used to look in the library to see if I could find who he was in real life and I couldn't find anything and it wasn't until the internet came that I was able to uh, dig deeper and find out who these people were behind the names going up the screen and but you know something like best boy I thought I could be a best boy I'm good I'm, I'm the best you know it's a boy as well there was no best girl back then so I don't know if there's a best girl now if that is kind of an outdated term but you know, I thought I could be a best boy. <laughs> so that's amazing. Plus, I mean, being a fan of Star Wars, you've got credits for days to read through. Oh, yeah, you've got credits <laughs> for 20 minutes of credits and all kinds of special effects and, and rotoscope artists, you know. <laughs> that's what I'm saying, exactly. I was going to say, you went, um, shout out, Hammersmith for West London Gang Gang again. Absolutely. I don't know what year you were. 94 to 97. Well, did we cross over at all? No, oh, maybe I'd left. I got kicked out the first year and went to work in a hairdresser's, came back, did another two years of performing arts and then went back to the hairdresser's. So I might have left. We might have crossed paths 94, might have. Yeah, because there was a hairdresser connected to the college as well. If I didn't do, no, okay, when I got kicked out, I went to work with my auntie. She had a hairdresser's in White City in her flat and that was like serving the community. And then when I went back to college, did my two years of performing arts at Hammersmith, then went and worked in Lab Grove hairdressers. Yeah. So, like, but I never trained that. I didn't even know. I didn't know what I wanted to do. Did you know what you wanted to do? So you knew what you I, wanted to do? Well, I wanted to be an airline pilot at school. Because, oh, wow. I, you know, I thought film was just a hobby. And then when it came time to, I got my grades, I, I realised, I quickly knew that my maths and my and my physics wasn't up to stand anyway. Mm -hmm. So I was more English. English is just my thing, writing and being creative. So when I went to study at college, it just seemed obvious to do A-level English for media studies. And I realised I loved film. I, and I re not I realised, I remembered, because I always loved film, but I didn't think it was a kind of like an option. So even when I was at college, and because of Hammersmith and West London College, I ended up working at the BBC. I remember being at the BBC in 96, and I didn't know what I wanted to do. And my mentor was a post-production guy. He was in editing. But because I didn't know what... I wanted to do. I didn't know how to utilize my mentor, and I don't think he really knew how to utilize me. But what he did, his name was Danny. I'll never forget him. He done a great thing. He lent me his video camera, and I had that for about three months. And I was just filming in Battersea, all around the area, filming my friends. And and then at that point, I started to realize actually I love doing this, and and then I love writing. And by then, I was at the BBC, so I was almost forging my way without being completely conscious of what I was doing, going on that energy and intuition. I'm loving listening to you because it's like, it's parallel lines because similarly, I didn't really know what I wanted to do. And when I did finally work out, okay, hairdressing I can't do because now I'm a mother at that point when I was younger. What am I good at? English. And I feel like Scorpios, I don't know if it's me being, I don't know what it is, but Scorpios and writing and English and media. There's so, yeah. I know a bunch of Scorpios that have gone the writing route or creative in that specific space that we write, man. I don't know if it's- We do. Yeah, we're writers. So what was your first project? What was the first thing that you made? And looking back on it now, how do you feel about it? I mean, I made some terrible university films, terrible. Like, they're so bad. And I can't believe I was that bad. Because, I mean, I knew I wasn't great at that time. But, you know, it's okay now, looking back in retrospect, because I was, I was learning my craft and you could be silly and make awful projects when you're 18, 19, 20 years old. But in terms of in the, in the, in the industry, the first thing I did was for a producer called Nadine Marsh Edwards. Oh, yeah. And uh, 
she was amazing because we met her at the time. It was Leopard Films, I believe. She was uh, working with a, a woman that's passed away now, Catherine Weirwin, and uh, she was working with Lisa Lintock and her, who she works with now, Amanda James. We wrote something for them called Doggins back in 2009. And that was directed by Trix Wall. They brought on Trix Wall to direct. And it had some really great people in it. It had like Arnold Ocheng, Jason Mazza, uh, a guy called Jerome Butchen, known. he writes Top Boy. Carla Chrome, who was doing some great things on ITV. It had just a bunch of people that they all went on to do really well. It had a great cast. It had his son as well, Elliot Barnes Wall. It was just a great bunch of people. And we wrote this little thing. But I think we were ahead of our time. And Nadine... She's quite powerful now. She was back then because she'd done Bardi on the Beach, but they weren't making inroads with it. But it was a great experience and it was great to work with Tricks. And, you know, it was nice being that age and just having your thing done and just kind of learning the craft. So that was one of the first things we'd done, you know. So how did Mellow Nine Productions start up and why did you start up your own production company? Well, dude, that's a good question. The reason we did that, me and Michael Che, I don't know if you remember Michael. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so Michael and I, we he's not part of Melanine no more, but without him, there would be no Melanine. And the reason that there is a Melanine production is because of Michael Chase. Because right. my friends in Battersea, we'd be chilling and we get these light bulb moments as we're doing so. They'd always say, oh, write this, write that. And I'd be like, well, if you like it so much, you write it. I'm not yeah. here to write your ideas and your delusions of grandeur. So uh, Michael actually did. And because of that, we started writing together. We was writing a script at the time called Halftime Hustle, which we were shopping everywhere and going to events and it was because of that project actually is why we met Nadine Marsh Edwards because oh. he was at an event called Black Black something Black to the Future or something like that yeah. he just approached her and he got talking to Nadine Marsh Edwards and then he said that we've got a script and because of that script is why she gave us the opportunity to write Dog Because the reason we started Melanine Productions really was just to protect our project it wasn't to do what I was doing now and create films for it but I didn't have that foresight so that was all my call. But it was just purely to house our projects. It wasn't to do anything other than to have protection, protect ourselves as a production company. And then it just grew. It grew to something we never knew it was going to do, but actually makes sense looking back. The first time we spoke was about the Terry Dunnage project. So that's in 2017. So what, and, and it's award-winning and all that type of stuff. So how did you get from making short films, making some things under your production company to doing something like this? A big documentary, got lots of attention. How did it set you up for the next steps that you've taken and where you are today? I mean, for us, it was just doing it, you know, because after Dog Ends, we wanted to do other stuff. And uh, we just started making stuff. We'd done something called Nine Scoops. See, that was Nine Scoops of Ice Cream. And we, had, we created that because we realised that now we was a production company, we had nothing to show for ourselves except some writing projects that, mm. you know, hadn't really made it to the big screen, although we were proud of it and we made inroads and made a lot of connections so we started doing nine scoops and nine scoops was nine scoops of ice cream we asked mm -hmm. nine questions and the, the the final two questions were if you was a scoop of ice cream what flavor would you be and why which everyone loved and if you were stuck in the north pole what five items would you take with you and we interviewed every we, in, we spoke to david Harewood because i knew him through victim i spoke to letitia wright she'd done it because i knew her through victim spoke to musicians jumping jack frost we spoke to wow. so much different people in the industry it was great because it was a chance for us to just kind of edit and do stuff and as you do things like that you get to know more people and now you're creating content so people just kind of fulfill the dreams mantra if you build it it shall you know build it they shall come so we just started doing that and continued doing it and it led to just different things where word of mouth everyone knew i write so a guy called Kion, who makes music, he introduced me to a lot of people. He introduced me to Frank Scully, 
proof I made something that went to 10 and it was called Saints and Sinners. So we done a promo, I wrote, wrote it and produced it and it was, it was excellent. We made a lot of inroads with that. And uh, because of that, someone on the set of that, one of the extras, was mm-hmm. asking for the writer. So they found me and he said, he's got some friends that want a script written and they paid me to do that. And then through that, I met his friend who'd been burnt in a fire a light by his uncle he became a really good friend he's a good friend of mine to this day but at the time I didn't know him found and introduced him and they asked if we could do the documentary and how much it would cost we had a really good budget on that and we just kind of almost stumble upon things Mm. and because of the team we have and the creatives that we are we just we dive deep into projects some fall away by the wayside but this one really stuck and because of that, we made Trial by Fire, the Terry, the, the Terry Dunnish story, and, and won two uh, festival awards for it. There's no magic formula to what it is that we do. It simply is just doing it and so, meeting people. So then do you feel like you haven't had the struggle that other film, black filmmakers in the UK have had? Do you feel like it's just been par for the course? Just The journey's just been the journey. And do you, have you felt any of the frustrations of being trying to make it in this industry? Yeah, I mean, Akua, I'm nowhere near where I want to be. You're not talking to me along the likes of the John Bayegas who you've spoken to and people that are rightly successful and doing some excellent work. I thought I should be there. And not in terms of, like, I demand it. Well, I do demand it and I do deserve it, but, you know, nothing happens before it's time. Mm-hmm. So in terms of the frustrations, I've definitely felt it because I know I'm good enough to be creating the most amazing content just haven't had that break you know as good as I am and I've had certain breaks but ultimately I haven't had a tv commission yes I was one of the writers of victim but there was many writers on victim and I was just one and it, I, I'm not an actor I'm in the background so I, I feel as a black British writer I've had a lot of frustrations because I feel that I'm one of the best in this game and I really do and it's my Kanye moment you know but I'm foraging away and I know that my time is coming. It's really, really tough, and I'm nowhere near where I want to be. Tell us about this new project, Time and Technology. Well, the way that came about, actually, I was sitting down with my missus on the sofa, lying down on the sofa, as you do, and we were quite cosy. But as we're cosy, you know, like, it legs into one cosy. She's sitting down one, and I'm sitting down the other, and she's swiping her phone, and I'm swiping my phone. And you know when you get that moment where suddenly your will present and what I'm actually doing mm-hmm. and I'm looking I'm looking at my missus swiping her phone I'm swiping my phone and we've been swiping for like 45 minutes looking at stuff and swiping and I looked up at her and I just said I wish I was your phone because your phone is getting a real swiping you know and there's no time limit on swipe if I ask you to rub my back for 10 minutes after eight minutes well not even that after five minutes like oh I'm tired or whatever whereas your phone can get its back rubbed you know its face rubbed if for, for hours and there's no complaint. So I said, isn't that fascinating? Not only that, I'm guilty of it too. I was currently swiping. And I was like, I'm going to write something. I'm going to write our, about our fascination and our addiction to technology. Before that, we had an idea anyway. I wanted to do something based on my relationship because I've been in three and a half, which is still quite new for me. Before I was single for six years, I was in a 14-year relationship. So I was fascinated with the, the honeymoon period to the period where of breakup. And how that can happen, how you can be so in love with someone and have the most amazing time with and energy with and then all of a sudden it's dead. And I thought, well, technology doesn't help that either. So out of that, Alexia and I, my partner, we created the Time and Tech series, which is exploring our fascination with technology. COVID gave us the opportunity to write 
and just to go back to what I love doing, and that is writing. And COVID was a beautiful reason to do that in spite of the real, real, real tragedies of it. I really wanted black directors. I wanted my friend Atosha because she's amazing. She's wonderful. She chose the one she wanted to direct, so she directed Relay Thinkship. And then the second one, which we just done, my really good friend of mine, Chantel Rochester, she directed the second one. So it was great because these are my friends. These are people I love and I adore and they're amazing and they're amazing, beautiful black women, very talented. And I wanted them to lead this ship, you know. I mean, you mentioned two fantastic women. I love them too. Um, shout out Chantel and Atosha. Brilliant women in the industry making headway. So where are we going to see this? We've done two in two months. We invested in it ourselves. We're going to be going on an Indiegogo campaign, I think, to do number three and four because we have another one we want to do called Black Knives Matters and then uh, another one that I want to do. So we created it ourselves. We filmed it ourselves. We shot it ourselves. And ultimately, we're not sure where we want it to go. I just thought, I'm not going to worry about where I want it to go. I just want to make a really good quality product. We shot on Black Magic 6K. We, uh, everyone done it for expensive. You know, a few people got paid, but most people are happy to do it for expensive. I wanted as many uh, people of colour on the team as possible. It doesn't matter to me what colour you are, but I just really thought I wanted black leaders, black women, yeah. and just to see us represented behind the screen. And also black actors. We've done two films. They're very short. They're like three-minute films, two characters, and they're both actors of colours and really great actors. So we wanted to make a series of them so that you could almost put them together or they could stand alone. And just do something different, not your normal narrative, you know. Phone play, which Chantel directed, completely about the swipes I told you about, but these swipes are sexual in nature. So it becomes, you're fascinating with that phone. It's so sexual that, you know, we're telling you how far this can go, you know. And it's really fascinating that the actors love being a part of it because it's not something they've seen or done before. And there's a deeper meaning, there's a context to it. And, and there's actually, I'm actually saying something. I'm actually got a commentary on, on technology not that it's all bad but how it can go you know what is it that's making you feel like now's your time have you made connections with the industry because i think the industry is paying attention to us now now which is something that we can't take for granted when i say now is my time i always believe now is my time <laughs> so i don't think i believe now is my time more than i did last year yeah. You know, all I could do is look back and say, well, maybe it wasn't my time. But then how do you measure what your time is and what does that actually mean? What am I actually saying? Sure. And I don't believe I've got a peak. Like, I mean, I might do. I actually, I probably have got not a peak. There's somewhere where I'm going to reach that is higher than I am now. But yeah. really, I don't concentrate on that. I concentrate on the journey because if I concentrated on those really big spikes, then it will drive me doolally because I feel yeah. that I haven't reached there yet. So what I do, I enjoy the journey. I think my time is here and yeah. it's in the present. So it doesn't matter what I'm doing. I put my dedication and I believe in it. And I stay motivated because I love it. I absolutely love creating. I love what I do. I love the possibilities. You know, it's six degrees of separation. You know, I see you speaking to people that I've worked with or they've worked with someone that I've worked with. And I just believe all about what I do. doesn't matter what anyone else does. I just have to remain positive. And if the difference between me so-called making it and being where I am now, where if you can say I haven't made it, if the difference is a commission or a phone call or meeting the right person, then it's already happening. Yeah. It's not really like, oh, I've got to worry about, am I going to get that call tomorrow? Because that, listen, that call may never come. Mm. That work that I do may never come. This could all end in disaster. 
but then how do you measure that disaster the journey i've been on so far that's been amazing that's yeah. been great and around that i'll make money through doing great uh, corporate stuff and i get hired to write stuff but just by keep on keep going it's really about the journey it's not about the destination because you know when my name was going up the screen my dream came true if one dream can come true why limit yourself dream as big as possible because everything can come true and everything will come true if we believe it when i was little i used to imagine my name would be going up the credits and i'd be on a yacht you know living gets her fabulous and when that happened my name was going up the credits going up the cinema screen in 2011 my relationship had dissolved I can move out of house. I had not two pennies to rub together. I was the broke as I'd ever be. I was like, this, this isn't how I imagined it. <laughs> that high. But my name was going up the screen. But So it's not really about that destination. It's about that journey and keep believing it. I'm riding a wave and it may peak and it may not. But as long as I maintain myself, I'll be good. And some great things have happened. So why, why would it stop now? I think people need to remember that the world can be blowing up, but that's that, those little nuggets of joy. Your name going up the screen, it's just the seed for the next tree that's growing, but there's little things that we've got to take notice of that we fail to at times because we're too consumed with the negatives that are going on. Absolutely. What's next as well? Is there anything that we can look out for that's like in the immediacy? Well, there's stuff that I'm doing behind the scenes. I'm, right, I'm, I'm making a documentary at the moment called Meet Superman about my friend Hawks who done a 40-day fast, no food for 40 days, nothing. And he done that during the height of coronavirus back in the spring to raise money to buy masks for Africa, for Nigeria, for Ghana. And this is just an amazing story. So I'm in the middle of shooting that. We're doing it in stages. Because he shot it on his mobile phones. We're adding the kind of other footage to it and creating a story. And also, I've written something with Tosha called Aki and Sawfish, which was the most amazing film. But it's a hard time for film at the moment. It's a really, really strange time, but we've got some great stuff we're doing. And I'm also writing something called uh, Big Black, which is about the male experience of black identity. It's a series that I'm really passionate about. I haven't had time to go into it, but I'm using this current lockdown to, to explore that around all the other paid projects I'm doing as well. So they're the main things I'm doing. Uh, there's other little commission stuff and other stuff that's just paid. paid Bread and butter. <laughs> bread and butter bread and butter but this is like the fine the fine cake you know so yeah <laughs> so before we go i just want to quick little quick question so give me the name of a tv show or a film that you have to watch regardless of whenever it's on 12 angry men the most amazing film i watch it a lot i really do it's all set in one room and it's just a character exploration there you know it's about uh, puerto rican kids guilty or not but it's really about the, the 12 juries in the room and why they make the decisions that they make and really it's a, an exploration of self. It's the most amazing film, it's just beautiful and I watch that all the time. I don't watch a lot of TV, believe it or not, although of course Netflix, like Cobra Kai, that's amazing. I've been told to watch oh it. Oh my God. I've heard. I, I just, yeah, I watched it recently because it's the most brilliant fine line between cheap and sheer brilliance they've done it so amazing it's just great and because i grew up on films like that it's just nostalgic as well but it just shows you how you can do stuff i think that's amazing i've been watching that recently but something like 12 angry minutes the writing is so genius what book do you have to have with you at all times if you moved house everywhere what book has to be in your collection the regante series david Gemmell. sword in the storm is the first one He's that kind of writer that can introduce a character on page 150 and you'll never get that character. He's not even in it for long. But the way he impacts the story is just amazing, you know. 
so I've always got to have the Regante series with me. Okay, what was the first thing you saw on stage and what did it mean to you? My uncle worked in the music scene with Terence Trent Darby, so when I saw you before you on stage, that was quite magical. But I was more interested in keeping the VIP badge on my jacket because <laughs> I wanted everyone at school to know. But you know, a, bit, a play that really affected me, not, it was the most powerful, amazing play, yeah? It was called House of Agnes. Okay. And I saw that in about 2010. It starred my friend, Anwar Lynch. He's Lashana Lynch's brother. And Anwar was in the play. And he, it was him and another guy, and Adam Deacon. That's when I realised how brilliant Adam Deacon was. It was just the most amazing, about a Nigerian family, but the most amazing well-written play. That really was like, wow. I've never written a play. I'd love to. I don't know if I know how to. What song or album most defines your life to date, like your soundtrack of your life? That's, oh, what a great question. That's difficult. I mean, I'm a music guy, you know. I love, I write to music, so. Okay, okay, know, okay, uh, let me make it easier for you. We're doing a surprise party. What would be the song that your friends put on to like, really like, yeah, this is his tune. It's going to make him break dance in the middle of the floor. I don't know about break dance, but something that's going to impact <laughs> me, that could be something hip hop related. And it'd probably be something Wu-Tang related because I'm a Wu-Tang fan. I'm like big Wu-Tang, you know. And have you seen the series? I have, yeah, it's amazing. Really? And then I watched a documentary of Mice and Men. That was amazing. And just growing up to them, that kind of dictated getting through life struggle with being you know from a single black woman and life in South London and navigating through and having no money and just, you know having to hustle and get through life and that was the soundtrack of my life that kind of thing as, as well as Imagine by uh, John Lennon that was like the, the song that most affected me as a kid okay. for some reason I just that that always just stuck in my heart you know finally 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 what's made you sad mad and glad this week sad you know nothing's made me sad you know I think the world's in a crazy place at the moment and and the things they're talking about are the stuff of movies so Terminator Demolition Man and those movies quite sad in a way that it's happening in real life yeah and uh, we're living in very strange times and I don't know how we'll get through it but at the same time I believe in the most high so for me I have my faith and it's cool it's actually so it hasn't made me sad it's made me a little bit disappointed mad this week as well I don't think I've been mad at all to be fair that's very blessed and glad is for my 43rd birthday I've done a 10k run did you oh don't share yeah. oh it's not a shame it's a share okay no 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 agent because I'm not running anywhere on my birthday on Saturday so <laughs> shame. you never know you might have to run to get you know get some planting or <laughs> <laughs> you know? Maybe I'll run and get some plantain, but yeah, plantain, planted. You get me? I'm planted. You get me? You might have to do that, but you know what? I just wanted to do. It. I've been running because I've done a fast as well. I've done a 13 day fast this well year, and uh, that was amazing. The best thing I've done, and uh, since then I've been running. And for my 43rd birthday, I feel I feel great at, at my, in my age. I feel it's a good age to be. I felt uncomfortable all through my 20s, all through it. At okay. 30, finally, the penny dropped, and it hasn't it hasn't been picked up. It's still dropping, and it's absolutely fine, and, it, and it's cool. It's, where we are, it's a beautiful space, man. And it's made me glad I'm, I'm alive, you know. Um, you know, I'm, I've got a chance to create. Agent, it's been amazing talking to you. I really As always, that. man. You know I love you, man. Like, I, you're... I actually... I, I, I smile when I see you doing your thing. I think... That is, that's what we need. And that energy that you're creating and that you're part of, that we're all creating, 
very inspirational and I mean that from my heart you know that bless you Adrian and uh, to be honest as you guys that keep look, the journey that we've been on from having a debate outside of an event <laughs> to here we are now it's like yeah I'm, I'm, I'm loving the journey from and here. who knows where else we could go I agree I agree I agree but yes so